Okay, so um, just wanted to begin. First of all, I welcome everybody. It's so nice to see uh, so many faces that I recognize and so many faces that I do not recognize, which is wonderful, part of the idea here this evening. Um, I wanted to first by just begin by expressing the fact that this evening is a very special zechus. It's a special opportunity uh, for me personally to be able to unite with my close friends, Rabbi Goldberg and Rabbi Markowitz, um, to teach Torah to our communities together, unifying our communities uh, in a very special way, a way that undeniably, if you would have asked me five months ago, would I be coming from an outdoor minion in someone's backyard and then coming into my home to give a shear to three shuls at the same time? I definitely would have said no. Um, and it's a very, you know, a great, a great idea uh, to bring our, our shuls together in a very special way. Uh, certainly welcoming everyone who's not from any of the three shuls. Also nice to have you, the entire, you know, people from the entire community who are here. And I just want to, uh, again, uh, thank Rabbi Goldberg, Rabbi Markowitz for, uh, for sharing uh, this together with me and uh, sharing your communities with me. And uh, just, uh, uh, again, just a, a big akarsatov to everybody for, for joining us this evening. Um, the, every year in Europe, before the, before the Second World War, there was a Knesiyah Dola, you know, a rabbinic convention that would take place every year. And one year at that convention, the Chavetz Chaim had the opportunity to be having a conversation with the Imre Emes. The Imre Emes, Rav Avram Mordechai Alter, was the fourth Ger Rebbe, the Chavetz Chaim, who was the probably the, the greatest Tamachacham of his generation. He was, uh, everyone looked at him as the Posek Ador. And they were having a conversation with each other. And the Chavetz Chaim mentioned the following problem to the Imre Emes. He said, it says in Parshish Re'eyach, Hashem Elokeichem Teilechu, we should follow after the ways of Hashem. Vososiro, and we should fear him, we should listen to him, etc., and the end of the Pasuk says, Uvo Tidbakum, and we should connect to him. And the Chavetz Chaim said, the word Acharei Hashem Lokechem, follow after the way of Hashem, it's problematic. Why is it problematic? Because there's a funny Rashi. There's a Rashi all the way back in Parshish Lech Lecha. The Rashi in Parshish Lech Lecha says, there's a difference when the Torah says, Achar Hadvarim after those things, and Acharei Hadvarim which seems to be the same exact word. After the, after the following thing, something else happened. So what's the difference, says Rashi, between Achar Hadvarim and Acharei? So Rashi says, whenever it says Achar, it's something that's very close. It's something that happened right afterwards. When it says Acharei, a lot of time has passed. It's something that's much further, much more distant. So said the Chafetz Chaim, how can you say Acharei Hashem Lokeichem Teleichu? I should follow after Hashem in a, in a language that is a language of distance. I should follow Hashem from a distance. I don't want to be far from Hashem. I want to be close to Hashem. So he says, what must be the Pshat? The pshat is as follows, even when you feel far, even when you're feeling that your connection with Hashem is it's muflog, it's separate, it's not so close. Still, you have the opportunity, you can still connect Him. Even where we feel far away, we're able to connect in a close way. And then the MS turns to Chavaz Chaim and he says, it's a very nice pshat, but I'll tell you what the Hasidim say. The Hasidim don't say, even when you're far away, you can become close. 
No, said the Imriyamas, specifically when you're far away. It's those who feel furthest. Those who feel, feel far, they're the ones who are the most primed and the most ready to feel close to HaKadosh Baruch. And Chavetz Chaim responded to him, you know, that's why I'm a misnagin and you're a chassid, I don't know, but either way, it's always a challenge um, to speak about the three weeks. Whenever I try to speak about the three weeks, it's a very difficult thing for me personally because it's not a time when I feel a lot of uh, inspiration or a lot of elevation. It's a time that most of us wish would probably just kind of go away. Uh, in fact, with Chaim Friedlander, who was the mashkiach in the Mir Yeshiva, he writes that we shouldn't dismiss that feeling. That feeling of, of wishing it would go away, that's also good, he says. The fact that it makes you uncomfortable and that we don't like the three weeks and we just, ugh, just get it over with already, he said, good, at least it means you feel something. At least you feel something during this time. But, but generally, it's a time when many of us feel distant. But nevertheless, there's an opportunity in that feeling of distance. In fact, Yisrael Salanta writes, that it is the opportunity for a person to grow in their connection with the Kaddosh Baruch Hu during Tisha B'av, to the same extent that a person could grow in their connection with the Kaddosh Baruch Hu and Yom Kippur. But how is that? And what does that mean? So through the lens of the original conversation between the Chavetz Chaim and the Yirmei Emes, the conversation of being distant and being close, I wanted to discuss this topic a little bit tonight. To specifically, when it comes to the three weeks, but really, of course, the concept of feeling close and feeling far away is really relevant to us all the time. But I'll start with a, with a question, and it's a question that I'm looking for an answer, possibly, if anyone's interested in giving an answer. I would love to hear it. What does it mean to feel close to Hashem? What does it mean to feel far from Hashem? We use this language all the time. I feel close, I feel far. But what does that mean to feel close? What, what's the manifestation of a person feeling close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Anybody want to give a... An, ex- an experience, whether it's yours or somebody else's, what it means to feel close. What does that mean? I, feel, I, I don't see Hashem, I don't touch Hashem. What does it mean to feel close to HaKadosh Baruch? You can unmute yourself if you want to tell us something. Love to hear it. Anybody? No, that's okay. Okay, good. So you can also send it to me in a, in a, private, in a private chat. Someone wrote, someone with Imre Emma says, it's Dafka at the time of the Churban, Right? That the Kruva, oh, so, oh, okay, that's another, someone's sending me another vort, which I like. It turns the time of the Churban, people, uh, the Kruva came close to each other. It's very beautiful. You can send me a, a feeling of Hashem, feeling close or far. I'll tell you how I feel close or far to Kodesh Baruch Hu. I'll tell you my personal feeling. Um, when, I feel, when I'm feeling close to Kodesh Baruch Hu, I feel a clarity of purpose. I feel like I know what I need to accomplish. I feel like He, he believes in me, and He believes I can do that mission that He has for me. I feel ready to get to work. And I feel honest. I have an honesty and integrity in my relationship with the Torah and Mitzvot. Not that I do it right all the time, but I'm honest about whether I'm getting it right or getting it wrong. I think when I, when I feel close, it means that I feel a clarity, a sense of, and, and, that, and, and as the Chazal tell us, there's no greater feeling than feeling clarity. When I feel clarity, I feel good. Okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. It may be hard. It might be a challenge, but I know what's being asked of me, right? That's, in my mind, part of at least what it means to feel close. As opposed to feeling far. When you feel far, you feel murky. I'm not sure. What am I supposed to do? Or even if I know what I should do, but I don't really feel like I can do it. Right? It's, it's a sense of, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. There's no, there's no worse feeling than to feel like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't, I don't know if I belong. I don't know if this is for me. 
That's very much to me what feeling far feels, feels like. And we'll come back to this in a minute. But I, I wanted to share with you for, for a couple of minutes, uh, as an introduction to this topic, an idea that Roshlomo Volbi shares in his Sefer Ali Shur. The Sefer Ali Shur, Volbi was known as the Mashkiach of Yerushalayim. Volbi was a, was a tremendous Balavoda, a person who worked, was, a, was people were drawn to him all, all throughout Eretz Yisrael and even, even uh, outside of Eretz Yisrael because of his clarity of working on character traits, working on midos, his avodas hamuster, he's working on, on the just what it is that I'm supposed to work on in myself as a person. And he has a beautiful sefer, two volumes called Alei Shur. And in that sefer, he writes that the entire goal of our relationship with, with Hashem, our goal basically of Torah mitzvos, is the concept of kiruv. Not Kiruv like the job people have of bringing people close right, to Avodos Hashem, which is a beautiful thing for people to do. But, but what does it mean, Kiruv? Meaning that we're trying always to come close. Kadosh is the most distant being there is. You can't see God, you can't feel God. We don't, it's very hard to have a relationship with someone who you can't feel, you can't touch, you can't ever feel, respond to you ever. And our job then is to take that feeling, the natural feeling of distance, and to try to bring ourselves close. Goes a Medrash in Devarim Rabbah, which says that a person stands in Davins. That's the time when we feel close to HaKadosh Baruch Karov Hashem Lechol Karov Lechol Hashem Karov Hashem is close to any of us who call out to Him. Right? Whenever we try, endeavor to, to, to speak, to, to have a conversation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that's a way that we again try to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We feel close to Kadosh Baruch when we do a mitzvah that has meaning and dedication. But even as we draw close, we still have that again, that, that feeling of distance because he is the most distant being there is. Volbi continues to point out that even the entire goal of the Torah itself is just to bring God closer to us. In fact, the, the Torah tells in the Parshas Nitzavim, right, in the conversation about the mitzvah of learning Torah, at least according to many Rishonim, says the Torah, Ki karov me'od so The Torah is close to you. It's not far away. The Torah is close, and the purpose of the Torah, says the Medrash right there, is to bring us close. The Medrash tells a mashal, it gives a parable, of an individual, a king, who holds on to a special, special gem that he has. And all these people come to visit him, and he won't show it to them. And then his closest confidant, the person he feels closest to, shows up and he says, I want to show you something. And he pulls out this beautiful pearl, this beautiful gem, and he says, I want to tell you something. I didn't show this to anybody else. I'm only showing it to you. If you keep it close to yourself, I'm going to give it to you as a gift. You keep it close to yourself, then you're going to feel my closeness to you because this is something that I give specifically and only to you. Says the Medrash, that the nimshal is us and Hashem and the Torah. The Torah, the job of the Torah, the purpose of the Torah is to draw us near to Kadosh Baruch How is that? Because the more we learn about the Torah, the more we learn about Hashem Himself. In fact, the Yerushalmi says, that Kadosh Baruch Hu says, why was it that the Torah, was, that the base of Midrash is destroyed? The Gemara says, Al-Azvam es Torah si, quoting a in Eicha, because we, we abandoned the Torah. Abandoned the Torah, says the Medrash, the Gemara didn't even abandon the Torah, you abandoned Hashem. And says the Yishami something amazing. That Kadosh Baruch Hu says that if Klai Yishal would keep the Torah and they'd forget about me, I'd be fine. Why? Because it's the Torah itself that keeps us close to it. 
And not only is our job to come close to Hashem, and it's not only is it the Torah that brings us close, but even when we talk about the Geula, the end of the Gullus, we refer to it also always in the language of bringing us close, that the, that the, the Geula itself is close. What do we always say? Ki krova Yeshua si lavo, that the Yeshua is close. Pitom yavo, we say that, that, that all of a sudden the Mashiach could come at any moment. HaKadosh Baruch was standing there waiting behind the wall, waiting for us to be ready, and he's ready to show up. Says Revolve, you see the entire foundation of Kalah Yisrael and the Torah is that closeness. Hashem is close, the Torah brings us close, and even the Gula itself is always close. Okay, it's nice. It's a beautiful idea, but what is it, why does that matter to us right now? So it's interesting, if you look at the cycle of the Jewish year, you find something that you may not have noticed. The cycle of the Jewish year actually involves two cycles, two separate cycles, they're connected, but two separate cycles where we are brought close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then we're sent far away. We begin the year with Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Sukkot, a time of tremendous connection. We make HaKadosh Baruch Hu king. He absolves us of our of our sins, so we come close to Him. And then Simchas Torah, we feel this tremendous Simcha of feeling close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which culminates in Shemini Yatzeres, where it's just us and Hashem. And then what happens? We find ourselves with Chanukah and Purim. Chanukah is the Gullus of Yavan, of the Yavanim who tried to pull us away from Hashem, and eventually that led to, in the end, it did eventually lead, lead to the second, destruction of the second base of Mikdash. This, the holiday of Purim happens during Gullus. It happens during the, 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 in between the destruction of the first and second base of Mikdash. Right? That these holidays are actually holidays that take place either as precursors to the Gullus or in actual exile themselves. What happens? And then this year restarts. And we have, we have uh, Pesach. We become a nation. We have this special relationship with Kalash We get to turn our Sinai. And then what happens? Gullus shows up again. Shivas Rabbatamuz, which just had a few days ago, and Tishabav. Two days, which are represented by the terrible Averis that happened on that day. The Chayta Egel on Shivas Rabbatamuz and the Chayta Maraglim on the Sin of the Spies on the ninth day of Av. And these are two days and two terrible mistakes, two terrible tragedies that happened in the times of the, de- of the Midbar, which had the... F- had the ability, unfortunately, to distance us from HaKadosh Baruch And they've created now bookends for this time when on the one hand, we in a certain sense rejected Hashem, right? The Chet Ego was this, just 40 days after experience of Sinai, the Jewish people are, are doing what seems like Avodah Zarah. And then, at Antishabav, Am Yisrael rejects Eretz Yisrael. Two times when we seem to, in a certain sense, push HaKadosh Baruch away, and they create this, what the Chazal referred to as Silok HaShchina, when the Shechina, presence of Hashem, ends up much further away from us. And it's no surprise then that it's these two days, the day of Shavas Rabbatamuz and the day of Tishavav, which create the bookends for a time known as Bein HaMitzarim, time we're in now, the time between the tragedies, the time between these difficult experiences, which create a time, like we said, the time known as the three weeks, which is just a very difficult time. It's a time when we feel far away, a time when we feel distant. And perhaps if we can understand the distance that these two Averos caused, maybe we can understand or start to begin to have an understanding of how we can start to come close during this time as well. 
Because what was Chayta Egel really all about? Chayta Egel, after all, many Rishonim explained, was not really Avodah Zarah. The Jewish people were not trying to worship the Egel Azav, the golden calf. But really what was happening? So I asked you a different question first. The Meshachachma of Mir Simcha of Devinsk asked the following question. He says, I don't understand. He says, after the Chayta Egel, the Chayta was bad enough. It's a terrible experience. What happens when Moshe comes down and he sees the Chet Egel? He takes the Luchos and he smashes them, the bottom of the, of the, of the mountain. It was bad enough, says the Meshachachma, that we were doing Chet Egel. Why did Moshe have to compound it by smashing the Luchos? Why, why was that necessary? If anything, hold on to the Luchos, chastise the people for what they did at the Chet Egel, and then, and then you can show them the Luchos and inspire them and bring them back. Why destroy them? And he says the following amazing idea. He says, like we've said, the idea of, of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is difficult. He seems very far away. A God we can't touch, we can't see, we can't hear. And therefore the people, as we know, had a hard time trying to relate to God without any physical manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Their whole life as, as people of Hashem, which was very short at this time, about a year, when they related to Karash Baruch, it was through miracles and through Moshe Rabbeinu, who did them for him. The only way they saw God was actually in a very physical way. They saw miracles and they saw this man, Moshe Rabbeinu, who did those miracles for them. So when Moshe leaves, what happens? They're at a loss. What do we do? We don't, we don't have a way to relate to Hashem on our own without Moshe Rabbeinu. So they created Egel Azav, and what do they say? This is, the, this is the one who took us out of Egypt, meaning this is Moshe Rabbeinu. It's in his place. So Moshe says, wait a second. If I come down and I destroy the Egel, but the Luchos are still here, what are they going to say? No problem. We don't have the Egel, we don't need the Egel. Why? We have the Luchos. We have another physical manifestation, another physical thing, that an object that we can use to relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, absolutely not. And he takes the Luchos and he smashes them on the bottom of the mountain to say, you don't need these. All you need is yourself. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you need an intermediary. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you're not, don't, not worthy of a relationship with Hashem unless you have someone in between. And that's why he smashes the luchos to tell the people that they don't need them. In fact, that explains why when he goes back up the mountain, what does Hashem do? He says, I'm not going to give you the luchos. You're going to work on them yourself, Moshe. Moshe has to make them himself because again, it shows that we have the ability to, to breathe that, that, that relationship on our own. That relationship with the Kodesh Baruch that we do by ourselves. We don't need anyone in, in, in our place. The mistake of the Chet Egel then was a distancing ourselves from the Kodesh Baruch Hu because we felt we weren't worthy of that relationship. Separating ourselves from the Kodesh Baruch Hu because we think that we're not capable of it. In fact, we find that even at Matan Torah itself, right? When God speaks to the Klai Yisrael, what do they say? Stop, we can't handle it. It's not for us. The people at this stage didn't realize that it was for them. They could have that relationship if only they wanted it. And in fact, this is the, uh, the message that Kadosh Baruch was trying to teach the Jewish people from the very beginning. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the people, he first says to Hashem, who am I going to tell them? Who sent me? Who's this God who I'm telling? What's the name of the God who's sending me? What do I tell them? They're still in Mitzrayim. He says, what am I going to tell them? Who, who, what's the name of you, God? And he tells him, tell them, Eheyeh asher Eheyeh. 
I'm the one who will be that which I will be. A very, very strange name. What does that mean? What, what, what's the message that's supposed to be delivered to the people? And the Ish Kodesh of Kalanimus Kalman Shapira, the Rav of the, of the Warsaw Ghetto, has a beautiful piece on this line where he says, yeah, eh, yeah, means I will be that which I will be, was not what God was telling him that who he was. He's saying, I'm the God who wants you to be who you can be. I'm the God who forgets about what happened to you in the past. I'm the God who doesn't care as much about who you were. I care about who you can be. That's what I want from you. And I believe you can do it. That's, that's the God that I am. The God who looks to you to be you, to maximize who you are. The Chayta Egel, whereas a manifestation of the people forgetting that about themselves forgetting the potential they had, each and every one of them in themselves, to relate to Hashem on their own. What then was the Chet HaMaraglim then? What was the sin of the spies? So that was a little bit different. The sin of the spies, as we know, was a sort of a balance between the people recognizing that Hashem is in charge, Hashem is going to bring them into Eretz Yisrael, but at the same time, recognizing they have to do uh, their own hishtadlus. They have to do their effort. Right? You don't just, you don't rely on a miracle to happen on its own. So what happens? So the people say, send, send spies. And Moshe says, okay, I guess we'll do that. It's, it's, it's responsible. We're going to have an army. We don't expect God to just make all the nations of Eretzel fall down in front of us. We're going to do physical things in the physical world because that's what we have to do. And we know HaKadosh Baruch is going to help us. And what happens? Because Moshe Rabbeinu allows that to happen, the people themselves, though, weren't prepared for it. And in fact, as, as they show up, Rashi points out that when they ran, ran to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, let's send spies, the, the Medrash says that the people were clamoring, running, knocking each other over. Why? Because they were like so nervous. What's going to happen to us? We're going to Eretz Yisrael. And they said, we have to do it on our own. It's time for us to send spies. It's time for us to get ready and find out whether this land is really for us or not. And says Revolbi, what happened was the people became uber-focused on that which they were expected to do and forgot about the fact that even with all the hishtalas in the world and everything they could possibly do themselves, in the end of the day, it would be a Baruch who would help them. And they got so caught up in the hustle and bustle, so caught up in what they were expected to do in this world, that they forgot who's there supporting them along the way. And that's what happens to the, to the Moroccan themselves. As we know, they go in and they see, the measure says they go in and they see funerals and they, and they say to themselves, wow, this is a Eretz Ochel Yosheved, this is a land that, dis- that destroys its people. No, they should have recognized, wow, Kodesh Baruch was helping us out. And they saw these, the, the giants and the tremendous fruit and said to themselves, wow, this place is not for us. Instead of, wow, what tremendous potential exists within this place because if God sent us here, it must be for us. According to Ravobi, the Chet Maraglim was not a lack of belief in themselves, but it was an overwhelming sense of what they had to do in this world and a weakening of their amuna, of their perspective. Like in the end of the day, there's a Kodesh Baruch Hu who runs the world. And again, maybe, lack, maybe less a lack of amuna, maybe more of a lack of perspective. Being able to step back and realize it's not all about me. There's somebody else in charge. These two calamities, the Chet Egel and the Chet Maraglim, the mistake of not believing in ourselves enough, in our ability to be close, and sometimes getting so caught up in ourselves and what we have to do on a daily basis that we forget who's running the show. These two were the catalysts 
for turning the people away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and in turn, distancing us from Him. That is the Churban of the three weeks more than anything else. Chayta Egel, a lack of belief in ourselves, and the Chayta Maraglin, lack of perspective and recognizing HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives. And that perhaps is the reason why it's on this day that the base of Midrash is destroyed. Because the base of Mikdash represents the ultimate in Hashem, Rahman Lutzlan, distancing himself from us. His decision to pull back because they're no longer interested in me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to distance myself too. But why does he pull back? Because he's uninterested in us? He pulls back because by pulling back, he reminds us that it's time for us to draw near. Our job then, the goal of the three weeks, is not simply to be sad. It's not simply to feel bad about the fact that we don't have a Beis HaMikdash and we don't have Mashiach, which in and of themselves are terrible things. But our job is to recognize that the reason for all that is because we're still feeling far away. And that if we can bring ourselves closer, each of us individually and communally, then we have the ability to bring him back. Because when we feel far, when we don't have that clarity of purpose, that's when we feel down. But when we know we can be close, when we know our job, when we have a clarity of what we're trying to do, then we have a passion and excitement and a simcha for Avodah Hashem. So what do we do during this time? So for many of us, the reason why we feel an inability to come close or that we don't deserve to come close is because we feel we've made too many mistakes. Maybe the Kashbarakh was not so interested in us. We've made choices that have placed us on a certain path and we're incapable of shifting that path in any way. There's been a lot of discussions over the past number of weeks and months during this pandemic about the way that we can grow out of this experience. What are we going to take away from with us, you know, when this is all over? And it's an important conversation, and it's actually a critical conversation. But I'll tell you that I've been concerned also with how we feel are going to feel about ourselves as we come out of it. Not just what positive things we're going to take with us, how we're going to grow forward because of this, but to be honest, about some of the things that we've experienced because of this in a negative way. Being closed in our homes, away from our shuls, away from our friends, away from shirim, away, away from our normal life, I think has had a detrimental impact on many of us. Not everybody is, you know, some people say, oh, my davening at home has been amazing for my davening. That's great. For a lot of us, it hasn't been. For a lot of us, it's, it's been more challenging to, collect, to connect than ever before. And, and I think that's something we need to remind ourselves about. And the question is, what do we do with that? With some of the, 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 the way that we feel... I know myself personally struggled at times with this kind of being locked in and separate from the, the positive peer pressure of being around community. How do we, what do we do with that? There's a biography of the Lubavitch Rebbe that was written by Rabbi Telushkin. And in that, in that biography, there's a story that Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Weinreb, who was the former executive vice president of the OU, um, tells about an experience he had with the Rebbe. The Rebbe is, uh, so he, he caught up one time because he was having difficulty making a decision and the Rebbe's secretary picks up the phone and he says, hi, who is this? And he says, look, I, I, didn't, I didn't say who I was. 
I just, you know, I, I heard the secretary and I heard that the Rebbe was in the background. And I said, uh, a, a Jew from Maryland. So he said, I told the secretary, I have some questions and I want to I wanna make a time to speak to the Rebbe about it because, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Many people would call from around the world wanting to make a, you know, appointments to talk to the Babacha Rebbe. So he says, can I make a time to speak to the Rebbe? He says, as I was talking, I could hear the, the secretary re- responding in, in Yiddish, explaining to the, to the Rebbe, you know, what I was saying. He says, and then I heard the Rebbe say in the background to the secretary as follows. He said, tell him that there's a Jew who lives in Maryland that this person can speak to. Der Yid heißt Weinreb. His name is Weinreb. The secretary said, did you hear the Rebbe said? He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I, I didn't tell this person who I was. And he's telling me to speak to wine rep. I said to the secretary, I am wine rep. What do you mean speak to wine rep? So he, so he says, I heard the Rebbe say in the background, if that's the case, then he should know that sometimes a person needs to know how to speak to himself. Perhaps this is the time to start speaking to ourselves. When we feel this disconnectedness, whatever you want to call it, I'll tell you, I, I started going to, to, to Minyan in, in, in one of my neighbor's backyards over the last number of weeks. It's amazing to start davening in a Minyan. I know many people are not davening in a Minyan. Some people are davening in a Zoom Minyan. Some people are davening uh, through, through Zoom to a Minyan, some people are davening in their homes. But I'll tell you, davening in a minion in a, in a backyard is not all it's cracked up to be. And uh, I come home every day and I say to my wife, I just, I, I, you know, I'm a rabbi, right? So I, every Shabbos is very, very busy. My Shabbos now are not busy. They're, they're pretty empty. I'm at Baruch Hashem, a time to spend with my children. It's very nice. I've said to my wife, this Shabbos, I said, I want my life back. I'll be as busy as you can possibly be on Shabbos. I, I want to see other people. I want to be in shul. I want to speak. I don't care to take some more work. I, I, just, I just want to, I want to be around others. And the question becomes, so w- what is this? Why is the Kodesh Baruch not allowing it? And we, every time we think we're like a little bit better and it's not better yet, and I, I don't know how long it's going to be. We know, nobody knows. And far be it for me to explain why it is that Kodesh Baruch has done this to us. There's been terrible tragedy through this experience, obviously, but even just for the the sort of minor disruptions for all of us. But I'll tell you, I, I wonder if Hashem has kind of put us all by ourselves a little bit to tell us to start speaking to ourselves. How do I, how do I energize myself? How do, I, how do I confront myself in a certain, uh, in a certain way to, to ask myself who I really am, to look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, if I'm not with my chavra, and I'm not with other people, and again, I'm not minimizing it in any way, it's painful not to be with other people. It's been painful for family not to be together, painful for people to feel isolated. I don't in any way mean to diminish that, and it's serious, and I, I wish this to be over tomorrow. But if, we, if we're trying to grow in some way, I, I wonder if the distance from others, in this case, is there for us, or maybe at least what we have to try to find for ourselves the way to kind of energize ourselves. Without a beautiful davening, without chavr to spend time with, without simcha after simcha after simcha to attend, and to be honest, what it does for us also, it certainly slowed down our lives. There's a lot less going on. And that I think is sometimes very scary. There was a New York Times 
uh, a number of years ago ha- had a study, they quoted a study of people who were locked by themselves inside a room for 15 minutes. And people had a, I can see my, my colleagues laughing because we've all shared these things. They say, I have to tell you, it's impossible to, pre- to prepare a shear in front of my two very close friends because we discuss all of our shear room and our drushes together. And every joke or story or advartor I've ever said in my whole life, Rabbi Goldberg and Rabbi Markowitz, no. So before I start any of them, they already start to laugh. Um, so I, I guess you, many of you have heard them already, but I, I guess it's good for Chazara. But anyways, so they told a, sto- a, a study. They asked people to sit by themselves in a room. And the only thing you could do was push a, a little button that would give you an electric shock. And the number of people who preferred to press the button and shock themselves rather than sit quietly was astounding. Men was much higher than women, you should know. The men really can't do it. 60%, 70% of people chose to rather than sit alone in a room with your own thoughts to push a thing and buzz yourself and shock yourself. We have a hard time with that. And I, and I, and I, I couldn't help but think as I was thinking about what are we doing now during the three weeks where we feel far from Hashem and we feel far from each other. It's a time to start talking to ourselves. It's a time we could easily say it's not our fault. This has been a tremendously difficult time. But it's an opportunity to show ourselves that we will not give in. It's a chance to work, to grow, despite the challenges that persist. And I have to tell you, an amazing thing that happened to me last night that made me feel really good. Last night I came to Davin Mincha Mariv in my backyard. I mean, it's not my backyard. It's one of my... Uh, uh, a wonderful man in our family in our shul who's offered their backyard for night after night and day after day. We went to Davin. I left my house at 8, 10, and it was not raining. Within a minute after leaving my house, it started to rain. And I said, you know what? Okay, well, we'll walk to the house. Maybe people are still there. I show up. We have exactly 10 people there, and it's starting to, to really come down. And I, and I always feel bad. I want to make people feel the pressure. I said, okay, so we should, maybe we'll cancel. It's, it's too bad. We'll cancel. We'll leave. And they looked at me and they said, no, 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 we're going to dive in. And people lined up under the overhang of the, of the, of the house. And, and we said, okay, we'll dive in Mincha and we'll see if it stops to rain. We'll dive in Marv too. We started to dive in Mincha. And I kid you not, the sky opened up and we finished davening. There's a certain mysterious nefesh, a certain amount of sacrifice that people are making now. And all of us are doing it in our, each in our own way right now to find a connection, to find a connection. Maybe it's in the way that we're davening a little different right now than we have before. Maybe it's a, a mitzvah, a halacha that we can grab onto a little bit more carefully than we've ever done. And maybe it's finding a way to learn, a little learning that we, more than we've done before. When we do that, we are showing a Baruch Hu that we want that connection more than ever before. As much as he's trying to distance us from each other, and as much as he's in a certain sense, it feels like sometimes he's trying to distance us from him. But maybe it's just there to remind us that it's time for us to step up and to connect to him. But the truth is that, and with this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end, that we're not totally by ourselves. And we really are connected together because we have all these people together on a Zoom. We're all working together. We're not separate. We're not really separate. And we've all made such efforts to connect with each other and to uplift each other during this challenging time. And I'll tell you, there's a beautiful, there's a, there's a, a Pasuk in Kohalas which says, Tovim mina echad. It's better to have two people than to have one person. And the Pasuk continues, in the next Pasuk, polu Because if they fall down, one will help the other off. Yaakov Hurwitz, the Rav Munsi, who's a tremendous chesed in the entire world, 
he said as follows. The Pasuk should have said, Two are better than one, because if one falls down, the other will help the other, one will help the other person up. It's not what it says. It says, Because if we both fall down, we'll grab each other's hands and we'll stand up together. And that's what we're trying to do. As much as we feel sometimes far apart, we're not far. We connect as best as we can. And the Rebbe Shalom is watching us grasp hands with each other, even though we can't actually grasp hands. Grasp hands with each other and lift each other up to find that closeness to Kodesh Baruch Sorry, I said I had the last idea. This is the last piece. We read, we're going to read, starting after Tisha B'Av, the Shiva de Nechemta, the seven Haftorahs of Nechama, of, of, of comfort, after the destruction of the Mesa Midrash. And why do we have seven? Because those seven, seven weeks from, every sure Rabbi knows, seven weeks from Tisha B'Av until Rosh Hashanah. You've got seven weeks to get ready, right? What's the connection? Why connect Tisha B'Av to Rosh Hashanah? What, what, what's the connection one to the, one to the next? And Revolvi writes, of course it connects. This is the entire cycle we've been talking about. What happens? We have Pesach and we have Shavuos and we're up. And we have Tisha B'Av, we have Shavuos and Tamuz and Tisha B'Av and we're down. And what does it do when we feel distant? What do we do when we feel we're far away? That's the time to start to feel close. As the Imri Emes said to the Chavetz Chaim, it's dafka, it's specifically when we feel far that we have that tremendous opportunity to come close. It's the closeness that we start to build towards during the three weeks, during this time, as we climb as, as much as we can to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that sets us up and prepares us to be Mamlechim as king, to make him the king of the world. There's no better preparation for Rosh Hashanah than the three weeks. There's no better way to get ourselves ready to make Hashem the king of our lives than to start coming close to Him during this time. We should be zochet to use the chizik that we give each other and that we give ourselves during this time to continue to grow during this challenging time. And in Rosh Hashem, as we do, we show Kadosh that we've learned the lessons of the three weeks, that we know what our goals are, we have a clarity of purpose. And in Rosh Hashem, He'll see we don't need these days anymore. And we'll be zochet to a time when these days are no longer days of Avelus, but a Moed, a day of Sassim and Simcha for the entire Jewish people. I thank you so much for joining us this evening and I uh, wish you all a wonderful, wonderful week.